Next, on the 5 o'clock report. Why the 143-year-old bridge reopened. Slow down in residential neighborhoods. Because the Supreme Court just said that it was a matter reserved for the states. That brings about a diverse campus. The Lord will provide. Now, let's go to the newsroom. Good afternoon and welcome to the broadcast. I'm Tracy Lynn. Morning in South Korea. The death toll from the fatal Saturday crowd surge in Seoul has reached 154. Laura Bynick is in Tokyo. The majority of deaths are women due to their relatively smaller frame and fewer muscles to resist crushing pressure. So what led to the stampede? Some speculate it was a celebrity sighting. While others say this is an area with very little barricades, very narrow streets, and not enough safety precautions to accommodate so many people. But I also want to point out, this was a time when a lot of people were celebrating. After the pandemic, there were no COVID precautions, so people were enjoying themselves. And it's very upsetting how many people have passed away. They were so young. The youngest known victim was in middle school. More tragedy in India, where more than 130 people have died following the collapse of a pedestrian bridge. Correspondent Tina Kraus. Authorities say more than 400 people were celebrating the religious festival Diwali on the bridge when it gave way under the heavy weight. Police have opened a criminal investigation into why the 143-year-old bridge reopened five days ago, reportedly without permission, after undergoing six months of renovations. In our nation, admissions practices under the eye of the Supreme Court today. Racial classifications are wrong, and this court should overrule Greta. The high court taking up a challenge to race-based college admissions practices in two affirmative action cases involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Both schools say they use race as one component of a holistic look at students' applications, and they believe that that brings about a diverse campus that benefits everyone on their school campus. The group Students for Fair Admissions is looking for the court to throw out a 1978 case that gave the green light for universities to consider race in determining who would be admitted. Nine states have already passed their own laws saying affirmative actions cannot be used in college admissions. The newest justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson, had a relationship with Harvard on a board there, so she's recused herself from that case. A ruling is expected by the summer. President Biden responding this afternoon to reports over recent days of major oil companies making record-setting profits. And who is only looking out for their own bottom line? I know where I stand. You hear more from me about this when the Congress gets back. Mr. Biden says the companies refuse to help lower prices that would let Americans get a lower price at the pump. Andy Milton with Mansfield Energy is warning of an historic fuel shortage, moving to alert level four to address market volatility. Four means we are on a very high level of concern about making sure that we stay ahead of customers' tanks, keeping tanks full. We're monitoring and communicating with them actively every day about maybe the price, availability, maybe some different trucking situations we might be running into. The national gas average for regular is 376 a gallon. Overseas Russia ramping up its attacks on Ukraine's power plants and other vital infrastructure as the war enters its ninth month. Russia's defense ministry says its forces carried out strikes with long-range, high-precision air and sea-based weapons against the military command and energy systems of 
Ukraine and that all designated targets were hit. Ukraine's Air Force says it shot down 44 of more than 50 cruise missiles that were launched by Russia, while Ukraine's Prime Minister adds Russian missiles and drones hit 10 Ukrainian regions and damaged 18 objects, mostly energy facilities. That's Charles de la Desma reporting. Federal charges are being filed against the man accused of attacking House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. The DOJ announced that David DePop is being charged with attempted kidnapping and assault. San Francisco DA Brooke Jenkins. He was in fact in search of Mrs. Pelosi. At this time, there is no evidence that in our possession to support that the suspect knew Mr. Pelosi prior to this incident. DePop allegedly attacked Paul Pelosi on Friday with a hammer at his home in San Francisco. And the Philadelphia Phillies play host to the Houston Astros for Game 3 of the World Series tonight. Each team has come away with one victory after the first two games in Houston, making this World Series now a best of five. Still to come this Monday, debating abortion in New York's U.S. Senate race, calling for an investigation in PA, and another holiday? Knock, knock. Who's there? I'm answering that. Yes, you're going you to. answer I'm it. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to answer it. Hi, I'm Kevin Williams, and here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. It'll be mainly cloudy and continue to be on the mild side tonight and tomorrow with a shower from time to time. Low temperatures tonight around 50. We're back in the low to mid-60s tomorrow. On Wednesday, a cloudy start, then becoming mostly sunny and pleasant with a high temperature in the 60s. And Thursday and Friday shape up quite nicely as well. Thank you, Kevin. Now for more what's happening where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. New York Senator Chuck Schumer and his Republican rival Joe Pinion debated last night on Spectrum News. Pinion, a former Newsmax anchor, does not think there should be a national ban on abortion as some other Republicans have proposed. I do not support a national ban because the Supreme Court just said that it was a matter reserved for the states. I think that we should have less patience for politicians that use their perch to knowingly pass legislation that violates the law. The response from Schumer? I support Roe and all the protections that have been written into it. And that was the law before the Supreme Court decision. Schumer has held on to the post for 23 years, while Pinion is trying to become the first black man to ever represent New York in the U.S. Senate. Meanwhile, pro-lifers are calling for a probe into a Pennsylvania abortion clinic. Michael Harrington reports. Katie O'Brien, who is with 40 Days for Life, has uploaded a video of a man carrying bags out of a Pittsburgh Planned Parenthood facility this month. In the video, the man can be seen to place the bags in a cooler and drive away. But what's most disturbing is the fact that his car carries the logo for the Center for Organ Recovery and Education. Planned Parenthood has long denied that it sells the organs of aborted babies for profit. Drivers, please be extra alert tonight. Turn on your headlights, even if it's still light out. Make your vehicle more visible for parents and trick-or-treaters. Mark Gruba with AAA of Western and Central New York urges. Slow down in residential neighborhoods. Make sure you're watching for children on the road, by the side of the road especially darting out in the roadway. Gruba tells youngsters, You get your favorite candy and you just want to eat it right there. The right move is to wait until you get home. That way you can take the candy out, have a look at it, make sure those wrappers haven't been opened or that the candy may have been tampered with in any way. And the price at the pump is plenty scary today. Family Life's Brandon Dixon reports. The average for a gallon of gas in New York State has risen over 13 cents during the last week to $3.75. 
Gas Buddy says that's up more than 19 cents from a month ago and an increase of nearly 23 cents from a year ago. There's even more pain at the pump in PA, where the average for a gallon of gas is nearly $3.99, up 7 cents from a week ago, 22 cents from a month ago, and 43 cents more than the same time last year. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Thank you, Brandon. Next at 5, we discover more about one of the hometowns in the Family Life listening area. Today, it's Erie, Pennsylvania. Let's start with the name itself, which derives either from the Great Lake whose shore it rests upon and or the Native American tribe known in English as the Eries, with a Z on the end, who took up residence on the lake's fertile shores. Then, in the mid-1600s, the Eries were conquered by the Iroquois Confederacy. A century later came European settlers. Jeff Sherry is an educator with Eries Hagen History Center. So when the French come in the 1750s, what they're trying to do is to build a series of forts that will link the Great Lakes to their positions in Louisiana. This whole eastern half of the United States is trackless forest, and what they're trying to do is use the rivers and the creeks to move goods and men. The French built their first fort on Presque Isle, then added a second, Fort Labouf, in what is now Waterford. The two forts were key posts as French and then British forces fought for territory in the late 18th century until the French eventually sent Avoir to the region. And they're followed by the English and then, of course, the American military and then After the Revolutionary War, this becomes an American city, and the city is laid out mid-1790s and grows from there. It doesn't see a huge growth until after the War of 1812. But then Erie took off, fueled by its unique Great Lakes access. Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry assembled a fleet of gunboats and brigs that proved triumphant in the 1813 Battle of Lake Erie. Perry gained fame by flying a flag bearing the dying words of American naval officer James Lawrence, don't give up the ship. One of those legendary wooden sailing ships, the Brig Niagara, lives on in replica form, keeping maritime history alive on the Great Lakes. Sherry says Erie owes a lot to that seven-mile-long finger of land that juts out into the lake, Presque Isle. It creates a sheltered harbor, thought by many to be one of the best harbors on the Great Lakes. This is why Perry will build his fleet here. It's sheltered, and of course, this pre-aircraft, pre-satellite days, so it's sheltered from the prying eyes of the British, even if they sail right off the coast, they can't see into the bay. And um, the only reason that there's a city here, because unlike Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, there is no river here. After the war, Erie begins to grow rapidly, establishing itself as the Keystone State's key freshwater port. Absolutely, and the raw materials can come to Erie by boat, and later will go out by train, by truck. In the 1840s, 50s, 60s, the Erie Extension Canal, which links Lake Erie, thus the Great Lakes, to the Ohio River system without having to go down French Creek and the Allegheny River. It's definitely a central location for goods coming in and out. Then later the railroads, then our interstate highway system, I-90 and I-79, intersect just south of the city, and it is a fantastic location for that as well. Erie truly took off economically after World War One, and even the Great Depression didn't slow things down that much, owing to the area's effective mix of industry and agriculture. And the thriving area drew plenty of immigrants from all over. A diversity of people from all over the world beginning to move here. It isn't just the standard migration, the Germans, the Irish, the English, you know, the the Russians. It's people from Southern Europe. We have the Great Migration, which will bring large numbers of African
African-Americans to, to the city. Those immigrants created a formidable industrial workforce. But as the 20th century rolled on, Erie, like many Great Lakes cities, eventually saw those industries decline into what became known as the Rust Belt. However, as the 21st century neared, Erie began to reinvent itself yet again, this time with a mix of advanced technology and light manufacturing, and of course, tourism now plays a big role as well, thanks again to that little finger of land in the lake, Presque Isle. Our bayfront is now a haven for fishermen, jet skiers, water skiers, yachts, boats of all sizes. That's Jeff Sherry with Erie's Hagen History Center speaking with Family Life's Mark Webster. You can catch up on each of the Family Life news features at familylife.org slash podcasts. Now time for your market report brought to you by Ambassador Advisors. Here's Family Life's Dave Margolotti. Stocks ending the session lower today, though the Dow Jones ended its most positive month in decades. The week will mainly be oriented around the Federal Reserve meeting, which starts tomorrow and culminates in their rank height announcement on Wednesday. Tech stocks seeing the most selling today, led by Facebook parent Meta, as the stock dropped another 6%. Oil moving $2 lower, closing at $86 a barrel. The Dow today losing 128 points. The S&P 500 was off by 29, and the Nasdaq down 114. Ambassador Advisors is a Christian financial planning firm helping faithful stewards do more. Online at ambassadoradvisors.com. Thank you, Dave. You're listening to the 5 o'clock report on Family Life. The late Larry Burkett often asked, do you trust God or do you just say you trust God? Hi, I'm Rob West with your Money Wise Minute. The Bible tells us over and over, the Lord will provide. Look back over your life and see if that isn't true. God has kept his promise, providing not always your wants, but always your needs. And not just financially, he's also given you family, friends, and your church. God knows you need those things and he provides them. There's a secret to casting aside fear of the future and finding contentment. Jesus tells us how to do it in Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Only when you align your will with God's can you really trust him. We can help you learn to manage your money according to biblical principles when you download the free MoneyWise app. You'll find it on our website at moneywise.org. I'm Kevin Williams, and here is your Family Life Regional Weather Forecast. The next 24 hours will feature plenty of clouds and a few passing showers as a disturbance crosses the area from the Ohio Valley. In its wake, higher pressure builds in, the sky is clear, and some lovely weather comes back later in the week. In the meantime, it'll be mainly cloudy and continue to be on the mild side tonight and tomorrow with a shower from time to time. Low temperatures tonight around 50, we're back in the low to mid-60s tomorrow. On Wednesday, a cloudy start, then becoming mostly sunny and pleasant. The high temperature in the 60s and Thursday and Friday shape up quite nicely as well. Thank you, Kevin. Finally at five, today is another holiday that will put a smile on your face. We all know how it goes. Somebody begins the joke by saying knock knock, followed by who's there. And today's a day to celebrate this most common of humor choices as it's National Knock Knock Joke Day. Versions of this type of humor have been referenced clear back to the works of Shakespeare, but the earliest versions of the knock-knock joke itself can be traced back to a joke printed in a 1930s newspaper. Nowadays, the joke has become a staple for humor across the world. With their repetitive setup and wordplay punchlines, knock-knock jokes are great for kids, great for adults, and 
almost always bring a smile to someone's face. So knock, knock. Who's there? Brian Query, Family Life News. Thank you, Brian. There you go. Try out your best knock-knock jokes today. That's the world we live in this 31st of October. Thanks for coming along. I'm Tracy Lynn, Family Life News.